It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Evan Lazar and welcome to the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by betonline.ag. I'm extremely excited and humbled to be taking over for the legendary Mike Petragula and we will do my best to fill those shoes, but those are pretty darn big shoes to fill. This week we have my good friend and fellow film junkie Taylor Kyles here to break down Patriots Dolphins with me. If you'd like to hear, and I'm sure you will like what you hear from Taylor, please be sure to follow him at tkyles39. Before we get into the show, I do want to shout out our sponsors, betonline.ag one more time. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in the action at betonline. Betonline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get it on every imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Betonline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in in on their season opening bonus today and started off wagering on win division and championship futures today head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great signing bonuses bet online your online sportsbook experts and now i'm going to bring in my guest taylor kyles taylor thank you very much for doing this i'm glad we are here together to break down some of this tape up oh, you are still muted taylor this I is, knew that was going to happen. This I is knew okay. That was <laughs> this is okay. This is I. This is a good joke point here because we have obviously experienced these Zoom calls with the players, with the coaches. They're muted sometimes. We're muted sometimes, and this is just the world we're living in right now. I saw it happen with one of Edelman's interviews, and I was like, "Ah, how silly!" And I'm so, like, I told myself, "Don't, don't forget to unmute yourself." But that's our relationship anyway. We don't, we don't do that buttoned-up stuff. So now. That's a good, that's a good intro. <laughs> there you go. It's only one way to do it. And that was the way to do it. But thanks for coming on Taylor. I really appreciate it. If you, like I said, go check out Taylor at tkyles39 on Twitter. He has done a great job of breaking down this Patriots Dolphins matchup already beating me to a lot of my points at per usual. So we'll definitely have some overlap there for my game plan on Friday, but I want to get in to some big picture thoughts with you first, Taylor, then we'll get into the matchup. I think we're all really excited to see Cam Newton's debut on Sunday day with the Patriots and just your initial thoughts of you know kind of where this offense is going to be heading with Cam and if you're a believer in sort of what they're doing with Newton under center yeah well obviously we're not going to know what happens until everybody gets on the field I feel like that's a disclaimer you have to give even though it should be implied but that being said I'm really excited I know earlier in the offseason when Cam first got here I was saying that I think the ceiling for the offense is higher than it was with Brady which understandably upset some people because obviously Brady's more accomplished. He's done a lot of things and he's done a lot of things that people have never seen in football. But I think it's important to understand that Cam gives you more simply because his ceiling is higher from the jump. Like Brady was a very 
pretty average athlete relative to the sport he's playing. And he maximized his ability by being smarter than everyone, by taking the little things that a lot of less experienced players tend to, you know, take for granted. And Cam is someone who has been an intelligent quarterback and an outstanding quarterback his entire life. And he's also been someone who physically is out of position. He should be playing linebacker. He should be playing tight end. Like there's no one playing quarterback who's his size, but he has the arm to make all the throws. And he's also intelligent which I think is the biggest thing in this offense. You know, being able to find those mismatches is really important, especially with a situation like the Patriots have, where the pass game is a lot of guys who have predictable skill sets. So you have to understand when you can take advantage. If Demir Bird is being pressed by a guy who, like Richard Sherman, he's, you know, really big, you probably don't want to throw to him. But if Demir Bird is being covered by a rookie who is five yards off and you know that he can threaten him with speed, that's when you go there. So having that intelligence to find those matchups, sometimes check yourself into runs and all those things pre-snap are what make the Patriots offense go because we know that Cam can execute it. So I'm excited because I think that he can provide a lot of things that Brady couldn't just because Brady couldn't be his own check down option. You know, if you're covering everybody on a four verticals concept, you know, and everybody's covered, then Brady's going to have to take a sack. But Cam Newton is his own check down. If everyone's covered downfield, fine, I'll pick it up myself. I'll run 5, 10, 15 yards. So uh, I think that, you know, some of the receiver things are being overblown. And I think this offense has a lot of potential as long as the pieces around him are able to step up. Yeah, I think that we're really on the same page with this one, because I've written this a couple of times. And I think that people roll their eyes about it. But I truly feel like the personnel that the Patriots have currently fits Cam Newton better than it would fit Tom Brady. Because if you put Tom mm -hmm. Brady in this office, and this isn't to say that Tom Brady's not great, he's not the GOAT, and he's not, you know, who he is. But if you put Tom Brady in this offense, it's going to look like it did last year. It's going to be a lot of him standing around in the pocket, waiting for somebody to get open outside of Julian Edelman and not having it happen, right? And having the offense stall as a result. I think with Cam, you know, you can lean on that offensive line. You can lean on the group of running backs that they have that's very deep and talented. And then you look at the receivers that they have, guys like Edelman and Nikhil Harry, who are these, you know, Edelman's obviously not a big body receiver, but he plays big. And Nikhil is a big body receiver. So being this sort of bully ball, ground and pound type of offense that then builds in a play action passing game or an RPO passing game or just a misdirection passing game in general, I think is really where this offense is heading. And it's probably better suited for the personnel that they currently have to work with those younger guys in that sort of system. Because again, if you just stand there with five eligible and you, you have Brady in the shotgun and you have Jacoby Myers and Julian Edelman to one side and Nikhil Harry to the other side and a rookie tight end in there, how much separation is everybody going to be creating? How much timing are they really going to have down? How can they be that precision offense with that sort of look and with the personnel that they currently have? I think we found out last year that the answer is no. So the good news, I think, with Cam is that they can be a different sort of an adaptation is the word that they keep using, right? It's a different adaptation of the offense that already exists. And it's sort of, I think, a better adaptation for where they're heading right now with the guys that they have around them. And I think Jed Fish is even going to help that even more because I was watching his scheme and I know that people point to the Rams and they say, well, they're going to run a lot more outside zone, a lot of wide zone. And one thing, and it's also, it's similar to the 3-4 versus 4-3 debate where we talk about where the personnel fits. But frankly, I think those are bigger concepts that, you know, they're easier to grasp. But really, when you're talking about players, it's put them where they're supposed to be. That's why Belichick, whenever we ask him about those kinds of things, he says, well, we're going to put players in the best position to succeed. Jed Fish does a very, did a very good job when he was with the Rams 
of creating distractions of, you know, using tight ends to block away from where the run was actually going, using receivers to give linebackers conflicts. Like you saw the smartest linebackers in the league. He was, I mean, Jed Fish was helping game plan for Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. He had to be on point because if that run game was going to succeed, they had to not only get past Seattle's defensive line, but also very smart linebackers. So he is very good at being able to manipulate those guys and slow them down just enough to allow linemen to get to the second level on run plays, you know, to make it diff more difficult for zone coverages to execute their responsibilities because they don't know where to train their eyes. And that's something that the Patriots offense has dabbled in. A lot of uh, Edelman sweeps, you know, Nikhil Harry, we're seeing more of it. But I think maybe Josh McDaniels is realizing that it's nice for him to kind of sprinkle those things in, but that's not what their offense has been for a long time. It's been having three guys, four guys that you could always rely on to get open and not having to do all the, you know, kind of fancy gimmicky stuff, as people like to call it. But when your personnel isn't good enough to win one-on-one -on -one matchups, you need those. You need every little advantage. So I don't think it's so much that the Patriots are going to be the Rams. I think the Patriots offensive line gives them the flexibility to run whatever scheme they want. Like I know Bill Walsh says that your guards are the personality of your entire offense. Shaq Mason's power, Joe Tooney is athleticism. If there's going to be a zone, a lot of it's going to be the left side with Tooney and Isaiah Wynn, another athlete. And then if you're going to go power, it's going to be Illuminor, who's a good athlete, but he's also more of a power guy, Shaq Mason, stuff like that. So they're going to be versatile, but I think we're going to see more opportunities for the skill positions just because you have Cam and you have Jed Fish just giving the defense so much to think about that you really haven't had to deal with as a Pats offense because you were so well stocked. Right, and we were talking to Sony Michelle the other day, and, you know, these Patriots players are trying so hard not to tip the hand too much, right? They don't want to tell mm -hmm. anybody on the outside what exactly this thing is going to look like. But the one thing that Sony did sort of admit was that when he's in the backfield with Cam, you got to respect Cam. You know, you got to mm -hmm. have that – the defense is going to have sort of a different look at things when Cam turns his back to hand the ball off to the running back or it's his own read play type of play or, or some sort of read action in shotgun or the pistol or whatever, there's going to be that extra element. And I think when after they signed Cam, we talked a lot about this too, is that the numbers game in the box, right? And if mm -hmm. to be a running team, to be a run-first team that really builds their entire scheme around a productive running game – oftentimes you really do need to have a mobile quarterback because it's too difficult to really be a potent rushing attack without the numbers advantage in the box. And if you're a good running team, you know, look at the Patriots defense, for example, in the Super Bowl. That was a great running team by the Los Angeles Rams in 2018 or one of the best running teams in all of football. What did the Patriots do? They put six guys across the line of scrimmage. They said, you're not getting outside of us. You're going to have to beat us in the trenches. They weren't able to do that, and they stymied the entire running game. And then Jared Goff, not being a factor, played a role in that, right? And I think that with mm -hmm. Cam, you get a little bit more dynamic as a rushing attack, being able to have a guy like that under center versus a guy like Brady. And it's that deceptiveness. It's that sort of who has the football, you know, can he, is he going to keep it? Who's the read defender? Who is he reading off of on those types of concepts is often put in conflict and has to make a decision between the back or the quarterback. And usually the guy that's reading it out, Cam can make him look wrong in any type of instance, no matter what he does. And we're going to get to that in a second, because I think Kyle Van Noy is going to sort of be that guy on Sunday for the Dolphins yep. defense which is a really fun wrinkle so we'll get to mm -hmm. that in a second but I don't we could talk about this for another hour I am sure but I do want to move over to the defensive side of the ball and look at them a little bit big picture obviously the big talk out of camp and so far this summer has been about the front seven 
a bunch of new faces in the front seven. They're seriously lacking the star power that they had there a year ago. You know, no Hightower, no Van Noy, no Collins. But I think that this group is going to be okay. And I'm interested to hear your take on it because I I think that we probably will see eye to eye on this one as well. Yeah, I think the front is kind of being overblown. I know that not having a Danny Shelton is scary. And frankly, I'm not sure how much Bo Allen can really do as a nose tackle just based on what he did with the Bucks. But you have a lot of guys who have just kind of been rotational players for the Patriots, like Adam Butler, Dietrich Wise, Derek Rivers, who we haven't really seen, Chase Winovich, a lot of guys that are already in-house who have taken significant strides. Dietrich Wise getting bigger, I think he had about 10 pounds, is huge because you saw – he's a very good player. Like, he is someone who plays to his skill set in a way that isn't really noticed because he plays inside. There's yeah. so much going on, it's hard to really tell what's going on. He wins one-on-one matchups consistently. Excellent the Titans fighter. Excellent and, he, and he's got such good length. Like, you can't touch right. him, and he's strong enough. And now that he's been in the league long enough and he's got that feel for what linemen are trying to do, he's great at using that length to scare guys, make them shoot their hands, and then just go under and maximize his – his because he's not a good bender, but he's very good at pushing the edge and getting quarterbacks scared. So I could go on about him for a long time, but he's in a better position – because he's added more weight, so he's not going to be as easily moved as he was against the Titans, who are just a fantastic offensive line and not an indictment on who Dietrich Wise is as a player. Derek Rivers is a fantastic athlete who also improved, who's been rehabbing, whose biggest hurdle was that, okay, can he catch up to NFL uh, schemes and things like that? Because he was a freak athlete, and it's the reason he was chosen as early as he was, coming from a D2 school. So you have to think about him. You have to think about Adam Butler, who was one of the best run defenders in the NFL. I did a whole thread on him during the offseason. He had one of the highest run stop percentages in the league because he not only dominates one-on-one matchups, but I think he could play nose tackle. It's tough because it's a physically demanding position, so they'd have to use a lot of bare fronts where they cover all the linemen and prevent him from getting double team so he can still be a good pass rusher but he's got that sand in his pants where he can anchor down and he doesn't move against double teams and he's way better at it than I think a lot of people realize because it's a glorious position you got Lawrence Guy who's always going to be a disruptive presence Chase Winovich who's another underrated run defender I frankly misdiagnosed him as being an undersized edge defender well that's true for what Belichick usually does he's bigger than Van Noy He's about the size of a Patriots modern edge defender where he's about 245, so he can move. Because if he's much bigger than that, he's not going to be able to do much else. He's not going to give you that speed that you need for athletic quarterbacks. I think he even has the potential to slide into Kyle Van Noy's role is that guy who really collapses the pocket, sometimes has the speed to just give you something to think about, and also sets a hard edge because you're not seeing a lot of those road grading right tackles that just overwhelm you with power. And those are things they can adjust to with just personnel. And that's before we even get to the rookies who, you know, Anthony Jennings and Josh Uche can be used all over the front. They're not just edge guys. They're not just linebackers. They can do a lot of things. And they're catching on quicker than even Belichick said that he expected. Then Kyle Duggar is going to be in the box. So I think you have a lot of pieces. And obviously, John Simon, if you know me at all, you know that I am in love with John Simon. He's the man. So I'm not even going to go into that. Just check my feed. But yeah, there's a lot of veteran pieces that I think people are overlooking because there's not a lot of tape, which makes perfect sense. But they've also got young guys who have the pedigree. Like these, this is Alabama and Michigan we're talking about. Right. There's not a huge learning curve. Like they were using schemes that Belichick inquires about every offseason. He's talking to their coaches to find out their pass rush schemes. The Patriots line games are a lot of what Winovich and Josh Uche were doing in college. Anthony Jennings was used as a coverage guy, you know, dropping 15 yards downfield, even though he's thought of as an edge defender, because if you're going to be a Nick Saban defender, you have to do a lot of things or do one thing insanely well. He does a lot of things in an above average level. 
So again, that's another position where there's not a lot of tape. So I understand the skepticism, but there's a lot of talent and I think we just need to see how they gel on the field once they get together. Right. I think the biggest thing is what you hit on is the scheme. And, and we know that the scheme is sound, right? We know that they get what they want out of it when they have productive players in those spots. And to me, I think, you know, we all want the stars, right? We all want the high towers, the, you know, I thinking Von Miller right now because of his injury. Those are the types of players that just can dominate one-on-one without help from the scheme. That's obviously a great benefit for a lot of teams. But I think with the Patriots in particular and what we've seen over the last couple of years, you know, since that 2018 Super Bowl really, is that, you know, they have role players that are sort of really great at the individual things that they're going to ask them to do. I think Adam Butler is a perfect example of that is that they're not going to ask him to sit in his gap and two gap and hold up at the point of the tack too much. And they're going to let him pass rush and they're not going to make Chase Winovich play strong side end because he's not a bigger guy. Right. And they kind of go about it that certain way. So no, they don't need, Josh Uche and, and Freddie Jennings and John Simon and Derek Rivers, they don't need these guys to be superhuman. They just need them to play well within the scheme and with each other and the chemistry with each other. So that's why I'm a little bit more optimistic about it is because I know that they're going to have Belichick and they're going to have Gerard Mayo and they're going to have Steve and they're going to have those guys scheming up exactly how they schemed up over the last two seasons. And as long as they can plug in players, even if they're changing out like hockey lines and you know why you know passing downs it's this group and running downs it's that group it, at the end of the day it doesn't necessarily matter as long as everybody knows their role and executes their role well within the system nobody is asking this front seven to be the new you know, the, the, the 1985 new york giants right no or chicago bears is what i meant of course thinking giants with belichick nobody's asking them to be that right just play well within yourself within the system do your job. It sounds cliche, but that's ultimately, I think, what this defense needs to do. And don't kind of try to be Dante Hightower. Don't try to be Jamie Collins. Just try to be yourself and then lean on that secondary. You know, just lean on the secondary. Mm-hmm. Know that that group is going to be in position and that group's going to be making plays behind you. You don't necessarily need to get there in, in two seconds every single time, right? If you have to take that extra step to get around the guy to set that pick, to make that scheme, that line game work, or to make that blitz effect then go ahead and do that because you know that Gilmore and Jackson and Jones and Jason McCourty and Devin are going to be locking guys down and deep down the field. So I think that's really the biggest sort of disconnect that I have with the coverage about the front seven currently right now is that a lot of people look at it and they say, these are a bunch of just kind of Joes, right? These are just kind of a bunch of Jags, as they would say. And, And that's just sort of, you know, this group is lacking a lot of star power. To me, I don't think Belichick needs the star power and I think that's one of the great things about him as a coach especially defensively is that he can take let's let's face it no no slight on Kyle Van Noy who's a great turned into a great player but Belichick took a guy that was a failed second round pick and made him that money in Miami because of the role that he put him in in the system and he didn't say to Kyle Van Noy you know you have to go ahead and be Khalil Mack you know he just said just play well within the scheme, let the B gap responsibility, worry about the B gap. You got the edge, you know, and so on and so forth. And I think that's definitely the difference between Belichick and how the outside public sort of perceives defense is that we're all playing Madden out here, right? Who are these yep. guys? What name do we recognize? Who is this guy going to a pro bowl? Is this guy going to win PFFs, you know, postseason all, all pro award, so on and so forth. At the end of the day, they just need to be able to execute what the Patriots want them to. And I think ultimately they'll be able to figure it out. 
absolutely. And I think when Belichick brings in the reclamation projects, people think it's some you know, genius thing, but really players are who you think they are. I, I know personally when I started getting into scouting, I thought I always had to see something that people weren't seeing. That's not what scouting is. Scouting is just the ability to see what traits are valuable for your system. You don't need other things. That's why Belichick doesn't care. Like if, the, if Julian Edelman, talking about Julian Edelman, you're not even going to mention that he's not fast because who cares? He does so many other things well. And when you think about it, star players are there to compensate for other people. Like you put a lot of money into quarterbacks because a quarterback can make a lot of positions look better. That's a good insurance policy. But you don't need star players. You need guys, like you said, who just do what they're supposed to because most of football is not making a mistake. Everybody is athletic. Usually you're smart to some degree. Like there's, there's not a huge talent disparity. It's usually coaching and putting guys in positions and then tr having them, like you said, it's a perfect example with the secondary. It gives the front the flexibility to not feel rushed, you know, like those line games. Sometimes if you feel like you're supposed to rush to a place, you're going to end up running into alignment and completely messing everything up. Quarterback has another extra second. He throws a deep bomb because the corner has just been covering for too long. Right. And sometimes if you don't have the right leader, you misdiagnose the problem. It's, oh, it's bad coverage. No, the one guy who was supposed to get there messed up his job. But if you don't know what's, you know, if you don't know that he was supposed to do that, it's harder to tell. So I think you're completely right. This defense has so many guys whose names you will never hear. And that's a good thing because, and you see it even in sack numbers, the Patriots led the league in sacks and didn't have a single guy who had double digits. Like Adam Butler, their nose tackle had the most, I think it was at eight and Kyle Van Noy was second at six. Right. And we think of Kyle Van Noy as this great pass rusher. No, it's a lot of it is him just setting the edge and collapsing the pocket. So other guys can loop around him or doing it himself. So I think it's important to understand that, how players are used a lot of the time is more important than what they're doing because players are doing what they're taught. If they're doing the wrong thing, they're either going off script, like we saw with Jamie Collins. Like when you see one guy who's doing the wrong thing and everyone else is doing the right thing, that's probably not coaching. That's probably freelancing. Right. But, you know, I was watching like Jordan Howard against the Packers last year, and I'm seeing the linebackers going in the same gaps. I'm like, yeah, that's just – it's a mess all around. And that's not what the Patriots have to deal with. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I ramble a bit there. But, yeah, no. they're just, they're, like you said, do your job. Do your job. It's funny because, you know, I'm sure people are going to listen to this podcast and be like, what homers, you know, they just made his team sound like it's going 16 and 0. They clearly do have issues. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, act like they don't offensively. And then we're going to move on to Miami, I promise. But offensively, I think ultimately what it's going to come down to is that most games, especially in the playoffs and close games and towards the end of the fourth quarter, it's the quarterback in the shotgun with five eligible receivers and you got to put a drive together and sort of all of them smoking mirrors and all the scheming and all the trick plays and all the deceptiveness and all that kind of stuff ultimately is going to let is, is going to fall by the wayside and it's going to come down to which team can execute their drop back passing game the best. And that's definitely the biggest concern about this Patriots team offensively, defensively. I think it's more about regression than anything. I don't necessarily think that the players that they have in those roles is going to be a problem, but they're not going to turn the ball over as much as they did last year. Most likely they're not going to have the production those points scored by the defense like they did last year in the special teams unit. Those types of numbers usually are not, they don't transition year to year very well, right? Usually it's one sort of year where you got the bounces and you got the kind of the, the luck, you know, the puck luck, as they say in hockey, it sort of just kind of went your way, right? You look at the defense like the Chicago Bears a few years ago, they had that same exact season the Patriots had last year. 
where they could just do no wrong. And they were they had a bunch of interceptions. They had a bunch of pick sixes. They were turning the ball over left and right. They were scoring on defense, and they were setting the tone defensively. The very next year, they kind of regressed back to the mean and were sort of still a top-10 defense, but not on that ungodly type of level. So there's going to be some sort of turnover regression for the Patriots. Ultimately, offensively, it's going to come down to if Cam can get enough chemistry with his guys to be able to execute a drop-back passing game. But we have time to get to that point. And that's what I want to mm-hmm. say into this break is that they have time to get here. It's September. We don't need to be at our best in September. They need to be at their best in December, January, and hopefully February. So Thanksgiving. That might, that might be a little bit optimistic. But we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to be right back with our Dolphins Patriots preview. Computer systems and cars are the new normal, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors, but you can't fix any of those features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost a fortune, and now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why I have CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that you can save thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code BEAT or visit carshield.com and use code BEAT to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code BEAT, a deductible may apply. Welcome back and we're going to get right into this matchup with the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots and Taylor this is really, I'm here with my guest, Taylor Kyles, by the way. Taylor, this is a really exciting matchup to me because I think the Dolphins are on an upward trajectory from their roster standpoint. A lot of big splash free agent signings. They kind of won the offseason, so to speak, with their in free agency, at least, with Byron Jones and, and Kyle Van Noy. And we'll get into a bunch of those guys. But first, you know, we're just going to look at the sides of the ball. Offensively for the Patriots, you know, what are they some of the keys to the game that you see? Uh, offensively, I think a lot of it is really going to be the ground game. I This is not a secondary. I think you want to drop back and say, all right, we're just going to keep throwing it. They got to stay ahead of schedule. And I know that you always say that. And it's like, oh, obviously they do. But what does that mean? When you're when you're facing early downs and the run is a threat, the defense can't play man coverage because you don't want, you know, five guys with their backs turned when the run is happening. So that force, that gives a lot of receivers room. You know, it allows them to run free and not have to worry about getting smothered or whatever. As soon as you get into those third and 10, third and 15s, that's where it's okay. You know, Cam is going to be a big help because you, if you're going to spy him and take advantage of him in man coverage, then you can't double Edelman. You know, you got to concede somewhere. So Nikhil Harry, is he going to be able to make those contested catches against Byron Jones? Who, frankly, Nikhil's releases, and, you know, I know that both of us have talked about that on Twitter and how he's working on being better in his routes. But with Byron Jones, it was a physical matchup where there were times where if if Brady and him had the chemistry where he trusted him to just let it go before Nikhil actually got out of the route, Nikhil's open because he's hard to cover at the top because he's very good at getting into your body and then just, you know, swiping you off at the last second. Um, So I think that could be a more fun matchup and not necessarily the overwhelming one that I think a lot of people are expecting. Like, I don't necessarily think Byron's going to shut him down. Um, But again, the run game, I think it's going to be a lot of seeing how much the Patriots use Cam in the run game. Obviously the Dolphins are going to have to respect him. I, uh, I went back and watched how Cam played the Patriots in 2017, back when you had Kyle Van Noy and Landon Roberts as the starting middle linebackers. A lot of the big runs that Carolina was able to get were ones where either, you know, or even Hightower on the edge, where Cam's holding it just a second longer to hold that guy, and then a lineman gets to the second level and stops Roberts from being able to be aggressive, come downhill. And then Van Noy, I watched against Lamar Jackson and saw that, you know, we think of Kyle Van Noy and 
rightfully so, is a very intelligent player, a very technically sound player. Well, you can be as smart and as technically sound as you want, but if you're putting a conflict on those zone on those zone option plays, on all these different things where Kyle Vinoy is the read defender and you're basically just putting him into a two-way go where he can't be right, then what's he supposed to do? And that's really a lot of the best ways to attack those players where it's like, hey, we can't really get around him. There's no way to, you know, just ignore him. So let's at least give some balance by finding some way to get that done. So a lot of it's going to be that deceptive element that we talked about with Jet Fish, uh, the cam element, seeing if they're able to take advantage. If, you know, Miami says, hey, we're going to empty out the box to cover the receivers. All right, Cam's going to check to a QB draw every single time. If it's the red zone, you got to be alert to QB power. Those things, those little things you got to think about open up so many other aspects of the offense. So I'm kind of rambling because we don't know what the offense is going to be. And honestly, yeah. I'm just kind of like, it's a huge brain fart. I'm kind of throwing out what I can think of. But at the end of the day, this offensive line is better than their defensive line. Uh, their defensive line is a lot more talented. Shaq Lawson, Ogba, two long, freakishly athletic guys who I think are going to – it's going to be exciting to see what Flores can do with them, putting them in really good roles for what they do. Van Noy, I'm still not sure if he's going to be on the edge or inside, probably going to be more on the edge. But, again, a lot of speculation because you got a lot of new pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, if there is going to be one weakness in their secondary, it's Eric Rowe – in coverage isn't the best. He's a cornerback, so I think they can attack him in the run game. And then the rookie, Noah, I cannot say his last yeah. name. I feel terrible about it. But, yeah, I was watching him. He's a liability. He's a rookie, obviously. Like, we know what the Patriots do. They pick on your weakest guy. And he's a good run defender. He's a tough guy. He uses a good two-hand jam, and he's physical. But as soon as you get past, like, four or five yards, that's when he starts looking uncomfortable. There was one touchdown that he allowed against LSU where he just got too grabby because he panicked when the receiver beat him downfield because he's not a very good athlete. He's really more of a physical guy. He's not John Jones. I think Edelman's going to put him in a blender. I think if they put Nikhil in the slot and he's able to get that matchup, he can dominate at the catch point and kind of not take the top off, but at least give you a vertical element. Um, if Demir Bird goes up against him, that's going to be trouble. So there's a lot of really strong pieces in the secondary, but I think if there's anywhere that they're going to attack, it's going to be the rookie slot cornerback. Yeah, I think really up the middle of the defense is probably the best way to attack these guys anyways. You know, that's why they did mm -hmm. sign Roberts and they did sign Van Noy was to become a little bit better in that area of the field. But I think when you look at this defense, you know, it's funny because it, it, it's clearly just a carbon copy of the Patriots defense, just with a little bit of Flores twist on it, right? So instead mm -hmm. of the Belichick twist, you get a little bit of the Flores twist. But last year, they ran the fourth most snaps in the league in man coverage. This is a cover one best coverage and ball defense just like the Patriots right so they're going to stack the middle of the field they're not going to let you be, beat them over the middle as best as they possibly can and they're going to try to force in front of those those throws to the outside which is exactly what the Patriots defense wants to do I think in terms of running the football really I, I would like to see them put people in conflict constantly with Cam in the backfield that's what I think both mm -hmm. of us have talked about or touched on here but really I, I think the key is is you know guys like Van Noy for instance on the edge or Shaq Lawson whoever ends up being there I, I would like to see those guys constantly be sort of worried about that Cam Newton effect and that I think can really they like to play a lot of those bear type of fronts they like to stack the middle of the field a ton they have big DTs like Christian Wilkins and uh, Devin Guchak I think that's how you pronounce his name. Gotcha. gotcha. I think it is. Gotcha. Yeah. They have those big guys in the middle. And that's what they did last year against the Patriots run D run game was they, they put those big guys in the A-gaps and they really made it difficult for the Patriots to run the football right up the middle. 
if you start to get that edge defender to kind of respect that and put that in conflict with Cam, then they don't press the gaps quite the same and they're not able to kind of fill the run the same exact way and you can create openings for your backs that way. I think in the passing game, I, I agree that I think that Nikhil Harry will probably – hold his own a little bit more against Byron Jones than people are expecting. But I, I looked at the same depth chart as you did and saw it the same exact way is I, I I'm really curious. I, I'm sure Byron Jones will get Nikhil because that's really a best matchup. And mm-hmm. Flores is the type of guy a lot like Belichick that's going to have his guys travel with certain guys. They're going to play matchups in this game and they're going to play a lot of man coverage. So I'm sure that Byron Jones will get Nikhil Harry. The question that I have is does Xavier Howard travel with Edelman? You know, did, yeah. did they move Xavier Howard in the slot when Edelman goes in the slot? And is he the guy that's running around with Edelman? Because to me, if they put the rookie on Edelman, if they put somebody like Nick Needham on Edelman, who I know had a nice season for them down the stretch last year in the slot, it's going to be a disaster for, for either one yeah. of those guys covering Julian Edelman. So to me, I would guess that it's going to be Byron Jones on Nikhil Harry, Xavier Howard traveling with Julian Edelman, which means that the Damari Birds or the Gunnar Osheski or Jacoby Myers, whoever is that third receiver, is going to have a favorable matchup that he's going to have to win, at least with some regularity, and make some plays against some of this depth of the, of the Dolphins secondary. That's sort of always been kind of the way to beat this defense, this scheme, this system, is the short throws over the middle obviously can really expose this defense because of the divided leverage rules that we can get to on the other side of the ball in a second. But the main thing is, is, you got to find the matchups on those secondary players, right? The, the third or fourth cornerback. So it's going to be up to Gunner. It's going to be up to Damari Bird, one of those types of players, to beat those guys. And I love that you pointed out Eric Rowe because he's probably going to get whoever the tight end is on the field, whatever they decide to do with that position, it's probably going to end up being Eric Rowe who's going to have sort of that matchup, right? And I'm very curious mm-hmm. to see if a guy like Devin Asiasi can – get into a little bit of a groove against Eric Rowe because Eric Rowe has certainly struggled a lot since he got down there in Miami and they've tried to move him in the box to this sort of safety hybrid role where he covers tight ends and I don't think it's necessarily worked out all that well for him definitely against the run like you mentioned last year Julian Edelman I remember just blowing him off the ball time and time it was so funny it was so funny (laughs) Yeah, so I I think that that's really – we're on the same page, I think, with a lot of these weaknesses. But I think the the biggest issue that the Patriots had last year with this Miami team in Week 17 is that Brian Flores knows all the state secrets, right? And the one benefit that you have this year is without Tom Brady is that there are no more secrets, right? You don't – no one knows Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. And this is such an unprecedented year in that respect. There's no preseason tape on any of these players. We have no idea how any of the coaches are thinking about using any of these guys. That's such a big difference from a normal year. So I think that the the sort of deceptiveness – that element of it, I think the Patriots pretty much know exactly who Miami is because, remember, they know Van Noy, they know Roberts, they know Byron Jones a little bit. They know the guys mm-hmm. that they brought in, right? So it's not like those yep. guys are foreign to them the same way that what's the cam offense going to look like in New England is to Miami. So I think that's a little bit of an advantage for them as well. I want to move over to the other side of the ball. Patriots defense versus the Miami offense. Last year – there was a lot of those crossing patterns, those slants, those in-cut, those in-breaking routes. And, of course, we can talk about the big matchup with Devontae Parker against Stephon Gilmore. But I'm curious to hear just your take, Taylor, and your opinion on, you know, Miami's probably going to try to beat the same drum a little bit of throwing those quick hitters over the middle, taking advantage of the coverage rules of the Patriots. 
how do you go about, you know, I asked a lot of the players about this and they just said, you know, the typical, we just got to cover tighter, you know, it, it's obviously not that simple. So how do we go about making sure that Miami doesn't carve them up the middle of the field again? I'm screwed because that was going to be my answer. Um, honestly, that really is what it is because yeah. the biggest – the biggest I'm not going to say mismatches, but in that game they took advantage of Devontae Parker just winning at the catch point against Gilmore. Honestly, that's what it was. A lot of people say it was his worst game of the season, which is technically true. But if you watch, it was a tight matchup, and you can tell that Flores was just – or not Flores, I think it was O'Shea – was just exposing their tendencies. Like Gilmore, they, know that, they knew that when the Patriots went empty – they, when they went empty, the Patriots are going to check to a blitz, which was going to mean that everyone was in man coverage. And basically, they're trying to make sure that they don't allow anything inside. Like, they're really just going to try to drive on any in-breaking routes because there's no help there. There was one play where Gilmore – I think uh, Fitz pumped to Gilmore really quickly because he thought it was going to be a quick throw because who throws deep against a blitz? And Parker ran right past him. There was no route deception. It was just – you know, it had nothing to do with him. And there were other times where Parker is just a dominant 50-50 receiver, so he's going to win some. The bigger one that I found was Isaiah Ford really taking Jackson to town in the slot. Now, yeah. to be fair, J.C. Jackson, he's a bigger guy. He's long. He's strong. He's not going to be a loose athlete. Like, that's just – it's not really fair to ask him to do that. So there are times where if you use – Isaiah Ford used pacing. He made sure to kind of get Jackson on his toes. And as soon as he did, he would break on the routes. Now, Jackson was doing what he was supposed to against a slant. Against a slant, if you allow it, you better tackle immediately after. He did that. He wasn't allowing any big plays. But Miami was so efficient that day that because they had so many options that were winning the small battles, they were doing what I just mentioned with Cam Newton. They were staying ahead of the chains. They didn't have to ask Devontae Parker to win a bunch of 50-50 matchups or Isaiah Ford to beat J.C. Jackson on a deep in cut. They were like, no, just keep consistently winning, getting us four yards. If you get more, that's great. But if anything, the Patriots just need to get themselves out of those positions. They need to have tighter coverage and force them to uh to get those checkdowns and tackle quickly now where it's going to be difficult is we say philosophically the patriots love to take over the middle of the field and that's true but now that they have preston williams and Devonte parker we don't know if parker's going to play or not but i'm assuming so because i'd rather prepare for the harder game than the easier one if those two guys are outside you have to have some type of coverage on them because you can't especially preston williams he actually was covered by gilmore last year and I think that's going to be the matchup again. Devontae Parker, I think that matchup was more a product of the fact that Miami didn't have anybody else who was a threat. Devontae right. Parker, is he's a good player, but really he's fades and he slants. Yeah. So he's not someone where you need to be, you know, know, have great route anticipation. Just know the situation and know what he's probably going to run. So he saw a lot of J.C. Jackson and Jason McCourty. Preston Williams is a different beast because he's 6'4", 200, almost 20 pounds, and he moves very well for his size. Those are the guys you pay Gilmore for. Because Gilmore's a freak athlete, and yes, you know, he's Preston Williams couldn't separate, but at the end of the day, if you're going to put, you know, John Jones or Jason McCourty or J.C. Jackson, who are under six feet, against a guy like Preston Williams, it's going to be a really difficult day. So I think they're going to have to play a lot of Tampa 2 like they did against the Chiefs, maybe with Adrian Phillips as a middle linebacker to make sure that they don't get hit deep over the middle by Gusecki or anybody like that because they still need that middle of the field integrity. But I think we're going to see a lot more split coverages than we're used to from the Patriots just so they can account for those two threats outside and then just tackle guys like Jakeem Grant. He's a speedster, but John Jones can handle him in his sleep, quite frankly, and Isaiah Ford. Make sure those guys aren't breaking tackles and making plays and putting you in those situations where you could have gotten a stop, you could have gotten third and long, and instead you're looking at third and two when the playbook is open. As good as the plan was for Brian Flores against Tom Brady in week 17 in that matchup, I think that 
the benefit of having Flores was almost that he knows his own defense so well that he knows how to beat the defense when he goes up against it. And what they did last year, and I'm going to try to break this down without a whiteboard or anything so I can see if we can do it. What they did last year was they attacked the Patriots divider principle. So the Patriots play outside shade trail technique on a lot of plays depending on where the receiver lines up on the field but most of the time it's outside shade trail technique for a lot of the outside corners so what's open there they have the rat at the intermediate level who's going to the sticks they have the deep safety over the top to cover the post but what they don't have is that low hole player oftentimes and the patriots run their five-man pressure schemes too you throw that in there as well and a lot of the times that sort of zero to five yard range is just wide open with nobody in the middle and you have a cornerback who's out leveraged on those throws and I've tried to ask every single person in the building that I can what's the coaching point there you know what do you do there because you're giving up leverage you have no help to the inside you can't overplay it because then you're going to get beat over the top so what exactly do you teach the corners to do I think it's what you oh go ahead I'll call on you yeah actually um because this is something I was studying their game plan against the Chiefs the Chiefs did a lot of similar things where they tried to kind of attack that area. Yeah. So what the Patriot did was they would put five men on the line of scrimmage and they'll kind of mix up where the drop is. So now this is where Fitz is a much better quarterback. You know, I'm glad that I game. had you on because this is exactly where I was going with this. Keep going. Fantastic. Perfect. So Fitz, Fitz is ballsy. There were some throws he made early in the game, especially where there was a whole player dropping directly in the area where the slant was supposed to be. I know there was one where Hightower was right there. Yeah. And Fitz just gave no Fs and just gunned it in there. If he had hesitated a second, Hightower's at least going to break it up, probably picking it off. Yeah, because he's has one interception. Of course, he's definitely going to pick it up. But Fitzpatrick is – he has that experience where he's not afraid to make those tight window throws if he knows where the ball has to be. So the Patriots from time to time, if you're just going to keep hitting them with those kind of plays, they're going to drop those edge defenders into shallow zones. But a lot of the time when you see them rush with three, that's what they're doing. They're trying to get that area so that at least it's in your head. You know, they don't have to do it every single play. That's, you know, that's, you got to move on at some point. But every once in a while, they'll sprinkle it in so that you have to think about it and be like, all right, we can't just assume the slant's going to be open. Because if they can force you off that first read, the offensive line is blocking for a quick pass. If he has to hold it for a second, a lot of the time that's an off-script play. Again, Fitz is very good because he capitalized on that. There was one play where he dumped it to Patrick Laird, a play that should have been dead, and that made me really mad. But you know what? I got over it. It's, I've had some time. And he can also scramble. He had, I think, th- I think he ran for a touchdown. He had two or three first downs with his legs. So Fitz is a much harder quarterback to play against when he knows what he's facing. Like the scariest time, the times I've been the scariest to Fitz where I'm like, shit, he knows what we're doing. Like, he knows what the defense is trying to do. He knows where the mismatches are, and he's going to exploit them. Now, where he has trouble is when he doesn't have the supporting cast around him to be Superman, you know, when to kind of create those mismatches for him to find, which is why he's, he's bouncing around teams because not good teams sign him because of his reputation. So he's kind of elevating them more than he gets credit for because he is a gunslinger, but he's smart enough to not make too many dumb mistakes. But then sometimes he also gets too comfortable, like in Tampa, and then he just starts throwing yolo balls. So there's a balance with Fitz. But uh, I'm sorry to ramble. But, yeah, to answer the question, mixing in those underneath zones and having a quarterback like Fitz who's brave enough to kind of just sling it in there and take advantage of even those small hesitations in your coverage off of things like play action or, you know, if he's just looking you off or whatever. Right. The, the, what the key comes down to, just to kind of put it in layman's terms, is that the relationship mm-hmm. between the slot corner, whoever's in the slot, and the inside linebacker on that side of the field is going to have to be 
spot on this time around. And I think that was the disconnect last time. The Patriots, there's a couple of different things that they love to do to take away that sort of short middle part of the field, which at the end of the day, like they usually kind of just live with giving up those yards because you're going to give mm-hmm. up the six, seven yard slant over the 60 yard bomb any day of the week. Right. So they right. sort of live with it at some points, but the low hole player is obviously the easiest one, right? You got, you brought, you bring the guy up on the line of scrimmage, you drop him off the line of scrimmage into the low hole and you let him read out the quarterback or you buzz him to the slant or the strong side of the formation where the slot receiver is. And you're able to kind of, you know, jump those types of routes a little bit easier the other way that they could do it is they could play their match coverages or their zone coverages everything that they play for the most part in zone is matched you know they have some different mm-hmm. rules but for the most part they're matching everything if, it, if it's a vertical if it does convert to a vertical concept so the way that they can do it is you have the slot corner over the top of the slot receiver for the vertical if it is a match that's an under call obviously if it's something underneath the defense you make that under call the linebacker ends up buzzing to that slant receiver or that in cut and that's sort of how you go about defending it at the end of the day I think what you need to do if you're the Patriots is you need to force this offense to beat you vertically down the middle of the field make a guy like an Isaiah Ford or a Jakeem Grant or maybe it's a Gusecki at tight end beat you up the seams and up the middle of the field and and just kind of live with those yards if you do get beat that way but allowing the guys like Grant and Ford those catch and run opportunities that's why they lost last year in that game outside of the Parker stuff so I I think that's really the way the Patriots had to go about this I do look at the Miami offensive line too, and I, I don't think that they've certain really turned the page quite there yet either. You know, this team is is funny. big liability. They have a lot of like pieces of this roster that are complete, right? You know, that mm-hmm. you could say. I think on defense, they kind of are where they want to be at. Right. Offensively, they have Fitzpatrick in there right now and they haven't transitioned to Tua yet. So they're they're sort of in sort of this more influx. And they did sign Ted Karras, who I think is a really solid, steady center. He's obviously a team captain. So he's a good time kind of culture character guy. Certainly one of the best culture guys and one of the best dudes that I've ever spoken to in the Patriots locker room over the last couple of years. I know everybody on the beat says that we're all huge fans of Ted Karras's and that's that's for a good reason. But with that being said, you know, they're probably going to either have a rookie in Austin Jackson at left tackle or maybe it's Julian Davenport, who's not very good either. Eric Flowers at left guard has gotten better at guard than he was at tackle early on in his career, but he can still sort of be a liability. At right guard, Solomon Kidley, another rookie, is most likely going to start there. So, yes, the Patriots don't have the star pass rushers, as we talked about earlier, but I still think this offensive line is pretty vulnerable. But the way that they sort of mitigated that is like what you said is they went empty, got the ball out quickly over the middle of the field a lot of the time too and they sort of just knew that the pressure was coming and worked around it and Fitzpatrick is the best is really one of the better quarterbacks at that because he's he's fearless you know he's fearless and he'll stand in there and he'll get rid of the football no problems asked whatsoever Uh, is there any before we sign off here I'm putting you on the spot a little bit but is there any sort of x factor to this game a player a a coach a play call anything like that that you could see uh, sort of coming up in this game that people aren't talking about I think it honestly, I, I, I already mentioned it, but Preston Williams really, because he was a I think if he's covered by Gilmore, then it's kind of it's it's a non-starter. But if he gets reps against someone like Jason McCordy, who he can just like physically dominate, you know, yeah. as good as JC is, as good as Jason is, 
at some point, like, physicality wins the day. Like, you can be technically sound, but if his hands don't let go of the ball, then it's still going to be a reception. So I think he's the only person on the roster, I think, right now who has the star power, the talent, to really take over if you don't pay extra attention to him. So if there's anything on their offense, because I think their run game, frankly, is pretty predictable. I didn't touch on that yet, but Brady and Jordan Howard are very much cutback runners where if you just have them go to where their initial path is, they want to cut it back. So they're never really running that hard enough for them to, you know, hit the line and get extra yards. So it's going to be pretty short. So I think the run game is predictable. The pass game, if they can take care of that, they should be good. And then offense, just stay ahead of the chains. Like even Miami, that was the biggest difference from week one and week set or week two and week 17 for them in week, uh, in week two, when they played the pass defense, they couldn't move the ball. So they were in so many third and long situations which is what if that happens again, the Patriots are going to tee off on their offensive line again. They don't have the chemistry to pick up those line games, and it's going to be a nightmare for Fitz. So if the Patriots offense can steal their Week 17 game plan and be like, all right, we're just going to win every single down, not drop passes, not run the wrong routes, block who we're supposed to, all those communication things that are up in the air, we'll see. But, um, yeah, stay out of the chains on offense and defensively. Um, just make sure Preston Williams doesn't kill you. Yeah, I, I like the Preston Williams inclusion because I think that he's a player that's been injured a lot, so not, not hasn't really been talked about a ton, hasn't been in the matchup a whole lot either because of those injuries. So he's sort of an unsung hero there. The running game, we didn't touch on that a lot, so I'm glad you brought that up as well. Brita is definitely a guy that's got some speed. Howard is definitely a little bit slower, more powerful type of back, like a Jeremy Hill type. Brita is definitely a fast guy, and I'm very curious to see this is not a great offensive line. This is a pretty predictable running game with two predictable backs. This should be a matchup that the Patriots don't get dominated in on the ground, and that's certainly a, a vulnerability of this defense that a lot of people have talked about is are they going to be able to hold up against the run defensively without a Bo Allen, without a Danny Shelton, without those physical playmakers at the second level. So this will be a nice test of, you know, kind of just easing them into that. You know, it's not Baltimore in week one. Right. So they do get Seattle in week two. So they'll be a, need to be a little bit more ready for it then. So we'll see how they do there. But the, the one guy I did want to point out as sort of the X factor to me is Gusecki because last year in that game, he made some really key grabs and some tough ones against Patrick Chung. And there is no Patrick Chung now. So a lot of talk this summer about who's going to fill the Chung role. Is it going to be Phillips? Is it going to be Brooks? Is it going to be Duggar? Well, Gusecki's not necessarily Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz or one of those types of tight ends, but he's a good enough tight end that if you put somebody out there that's can be exposed that he will be able to make some plays so I'm very curious to see how they guard Gesecki who is it that's going to be the tight end stopper this year that in the Chung role how are they going to go about doing that this is a great matchup I, I love it I love this as a week one matchup because both teams have flaws and so neither team is you know we're not talking about the 07 Patriots going into any season here with either of these teams so it, it is really sort of a feeling out process and just the uncertainty of the whole thing no preseason games totally new rosters in, on a, in a lot of places for both of these teams it's going to be a first quarter of feeling out process for sure. That's even what Bill Belichick said this morning was we're really not going to know anything until after the first quarter. And that's when really the adjustments and all the game planning can officially begin. Taylor, thank you so much for staying on with me. I really appreciate you breaking this matchup down with me. Is there anything that you want to tease, anything you want to put out there for the people? Um, well, I have a YouTube channel. It's very much in its infancy. It doesn't have a lot of great content, but there's a video of me looking like a clown. And I, and I uh, broke down all the Patriots runs against the Dolphins. If you want to check those out and uh, stay on board, hopefully that'll grow. That is Tay's Place um, on YouTube. So 
check that out. And then I'm also uh, at SB Nation. I haven't come out with anything in a while, but now that the season started, obviously, much more to talk about. Um, so, like, follow me at, uh, at T-K-Y-L-E-S 39, T-K-L-E-S-39, if you want most of my stuff. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on, buddy. This was fun. Absolutely. And, I, again, we could probably have talked about this matchup for another two hours or the Patriots offense for another three. So we'll definitely have you on again soon and be able to do all of that all over again. And this time we'll have some tape to actually break down and say, you know, this is what is actually happening. So I know we're both really looking forward to that. On Patriot Speed Podcast, we will be back next week with another guest breaking down the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson Pretty cool to see Russell Wilson against the Patriots again. I always love going up against Russ, and he's one of my favorite players to watch. So we will be back next week on the pod on clnsmedia.com. I have stuff up my notebook from yesterday, something on the Patriots rookies coming on Thursday. Obviously, my Patriots game plan will be up on Friday for this matchup where I will basically put in written form a lot of the things that we said here in the podcast. So if you want to see more film breakdowns and kind of examples of how it's all going to look. Make sure to read the Patriots game plan. But until then, signing off for my guest, Taylor Kyles. I'm Emily Lazar.